How are we doing, guys? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, especially big welcome to any guests that we have today. If you don't know, my name is Murray. It's really great to have you here. We're currently doing a series called Finding Community in COVID. So this is week three of that. Um, and today I'm going to be speaking a bit on fellowship, which we've kind of already gleaned in that video from Mary. I must admit, I was wondering why there was like a bed of tissues on the floor of our study at home. It suddenly makes sense. Um, Mary was doing the kids talk. So um, what I want to do is actually quickly cut to a video first that hopefully works. Let's all just pray that that works. And if it doesn't, we'll push through. So... Let's see. Jesus appoints 12 men from among all of his disciples as leaders to help him in his mission. And that number 12, it's a very intentional symbol of the 12 tribes of Israel. But this is a ragtag bunch of guys. You've got a fisherman, you've got a former tax collector who worked for the Roman occupation. You have a former rebel who fought against the Roman occupation. There's no way these guys are gonna get along. Yeah, Jesus intentionally brought together people who were outsiders and sworn enemies, but inside God's kingdom, they're called to reconcile and to live in unity. Following Jesus meant entering a new world order. And so Jesus went on to teach, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you because of me. Jesus even told his disciples to love their enemies, be strangely generous, even to people they don't like, to forgive and show mercy. This is a radical way of life. That's a short little clip of a longer video from the Bible Project. If you haven't checked out their YouTube channel, it is the best. It's so good. They do all kinds of cool stuff on there. So check out the Bible Project. And now hopefully they won't sue us for using that little bit of video. Um, but essentially one big thing that they were talking about in this video is Jesus's disciples were not all the same, <laughs> right? In fact, some of them were quite different from one another. So you, um, they write, you have a former tax collector who worked for the Roman Empire, who, you know, we believe is Matthew, who probably wrote the, the book of Matthew. And then on the other side, we have a former rebel, Judas, who fought against the Roman occupation, right? These guys politically couldn't be further apart. It's like one votes one nations, one votes the Greens, right? We've got these two polar opposites of community. And yet, somehow, in God's kingdom... They are meant to work together. They say there's no way that these guys are going to get along. And we see this, right, time and time again in the Gospels. The disciples are arguing. So let's quickly cut to Luke 9, 46 to 48. Luke writes, An argument started among the disciples, surprise, surprise, as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me for is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest so they're arguing they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest right who's going to lead this big sort of movement that Jesus has come and started and who is going to be heading it up they're focusing on themselves right and I think that I, it's a pretty fair call. I think we live in probably the most self-focused era of all time, right? We look through history at the kind of movement of modernism in the 60s, and it's more and more focused on me, me, me. We take selfies on our iPhone and our iPad, the I want, I get, eBay, click of a button, send it to me, right? We don't even want to do our shopping anymore. People go and put it in the trolley and take it to your house. You know what? I don't even want to think what I need to buy. I'm going to get HelloFresh to think of that for me and send it to me. 
it's so easy to think the whole world revolves around us, right? Because culture is designed that way, to constantly feed that back into our psyche that it's all about me. We get so focused on ourselves sometimes, I think we might just need to zoom out a little bit, yeah? I want to call this talk today Zoom Out. And I know that might be a bit triggering. Some of you are zoomed out from last year. You've done enough Zoom. I hear you. But isn't this a great point? So I want to do a quick kind of little survey. Everyone pop their hand up in the air. Everyone pop their hand up in the air. And if you're at home, pop your hand up in the air too. I want you to leave your hand up in the air, be honest. If when you're on a Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever meeting, you are looking at yourself at least 40% of the time. Yeah, I'm definitely 40% of the time, probably even a little bit more. Let, let's leave it up. Let's be honest. Well, about 60%. Who's maybe looking at themselves? Maybe 60% of the time. I reckon that's about where I am. That's probably about where I am. How about 80% of the time? Who's like, all right, I'll stop shaming people. But we get the point, right? We are so focused on ourselves. We've got all these beautiful people that we're speaking to on a Zoom call, and we're too busy checking that our glasses are straight or our hair looks good or whatever it is you look at. So... I want to look at today zooming out because as we zoom out, we're going to avoid some of those pitfalls that are going to really eat away at our community and really, I'm going to show you, eat away at us. So the first pitfall that we're going to avoid when we zoom out is pride, okay? I mean, why were the disciples arguing? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest, right? And I bet they weren't arguing, no, you're going to be the greatest, right? They're arguing, I'm going to be the greatest. It's pride because they're focusing on themselves. Again, zoom out. Pride is poisonous. Pride is poisonous to us. Pride is poisonous to our community because what does pride lead to? Well, Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to arguments, right? They're arguing because of their pride, focusing on themselves, which turns to pride, which leads to arguments, eating away at their community. But the saddest part of all of this is your pride will actually end up being your greatest downfall. The person your pride will end up hurting the most in the long run is you. Proverbs 16, 18, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. It'll lead to arguments and eventually our own downfall. But if you're struggling with pride and you zoom out a little bit, we'll become humble. We'll stop focusing so much on ourselves. Humility will dissolve our pride, like a, like a barocker in water, just Because this is what Jesus does. What does Jesus say in Luke 9 to all of these prideful, arguing disciples? He says, for is the one who is least among all of you who is the greatest. Yeah, humility. It's this weird thing where it actually extols us in the kingdom of God. This is the sort of upside down gospel that Jesus came to preach. The last will be first and the first will be last. The least will be the greatest. Consider it a goal to be last. So maybe, just maybe, a goal for you this week is one of the most selfish things that you could do this week is be selfless. 
because it's not only going to end up honouring God and it's not going to just honour our community. If that's not enough to convince you, in the kingdom of God, it's actually going to extol us. It's going to bring us more closely into the likeness of Christ. All right. So, what's the, what's the next kind of pitfall that we can sort of get a bit caught up on if we don't zoom out? Insecurity. Which sounds like a little bit less of a dangerous one than pride, right? But I promise you, insecurity can be just as damaging to a community and to ourselves as pride can. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. We're focusing too much on ourselves with pride and we're focusing on all of our strengths. We're focusing too much on insecurity and we're focusing too much on our weaknesses. It's all about self-focus. We're not zooming out and seeing the bigger picture. Proverbs 29.25, the fear of human opinion disables or immobilizes, hamstrings us from being able to do God's work. The power of insecurity can be seen all the way back in the Garden of Eden where there was no guilt, no shame, no insecurity. And then suddenly what happens? Humanity eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and suddenly they're not looking at God's creation. They're not focusing on God who walks along with them in the garden. They're focusing in on themselves. And suddenly they, they hide. And what does Adam say? I was ashamed. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And what does God say? Who told you you were naked? Who, who told you you were naked? Where are these insecurities coming from? Because they're not truth. <laughs> they're twisted truth. They're half-truths that when we start focusing on ourselves, we start to believe. But what happens when we zoom out from insecurity? Love. Which Keith already did a fantastic job two weeks speaking on, so I won't bang on about it. But, I mean, there's a reason that it keeps on coming up in this community series. It is the foundation. The love of Jesus is going to be the foundation for community to grow. In 1 John 4.18... Because love has no fear, right? Love is the antithesis of fear. It's the opposite. Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it shows that his love, that Christ's love has not been perfected in us. Yeah, I mean, none of us are perfect. We're all going to be a little insecure sometimes. We're all going to be a little bit worried that maybe that conversation's going to be a little bit awkward. <gasps> what if there's a silence, right? What if we don't see eye to eye on every little minutia of life? And these little insecurities start to grow and grow and grow and eat away at our community. We don't believe that we're good enough to have relationship, right? But I can probably assure you, whatever insecurity you're focused too much on, the other person probably isn't even noticing. They're probably focused too much on their own insecurity, right? We can all be a bit liberated by that. Whatever you're worried about, other people probably aren't even thinking about. <laughs> They've probably got their own stuff going on. So we need to zoom out and we become selfless. We become humble. We become perfect love, which casts out all fear. 
have you ever thought to yourself, how can I invest in this community? How can I show love more <laughs> at the centre? How can I really help build this community? How do we do this practically? Well, Jesus says, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Romans 14.1, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do and don't jump all over them every time they say or do something you don't agree with, even, <laughs> even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. If you ever thought, how can I invest in the center? Maybe getting a part of the welcome team. It's a really powerful ministry. I know some of us haven't been at a new church for a very long time, but let me remind you how important it is to be a welcoming community. It's so important. It's something which is a real testament to our church, I think. It's a fantastic ministry and one that Claire and Morris have done a fantastic job leading for almost 15 years. Get amongst it. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I heard a cool story from Matt Smith last year. He was talking about how when he got asked to join the welcome team, I'm going to embarrass you for a second, Matt. And he said to Morris, look, mate, I'd love to join the welcome team, but I don't really know anyone's name. And Morris said, well, mate, it's a great way to learn. If you don't know people's names, if you feel like you don't know people, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm full of a bit of insecurity and fear. Maybe I'm not worthy or not equipped enough to be part of the welcome team. Well, it's a good way to learn people's names. It's a good way to get to know people. Now, of course, that doesn't mean suddenly, you know, we're going to all become perfect. We're still going to fall short sometimes. We're human. We're not Jesus, right? Em's, uh, em and Mary's grandma, Jay, has a great saying. She says, if you ever find a church that's perfect, leave because you're going to ruin it, right? Because none of us are perfect, okay? And the reality is there's never going to be a perfect church on earth. But I think this is a really important point, right? Because Jesus' disciples were constantly arguing and disagreeing with one another, but they persevered. Right? They understood that there was something much bigger at stake. Because what happens after Luke 9 when they're arguing? Do they go, you know, I didn't really like your tone, Jesus. Or do they say, you know what, Jesus, I don't really feel like welcoming children is like what this ministry is about. Like that's not really what's on my heart. You know what? I'm going to take my loaf of bread and I'm going to leave. See you later, Jesus. Good luck feeding the 5,000 with only four loaves of bread. Good luck, Jesus. No, of course not, right? They forgave. They moved forward. They persevered. The next chapter, chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 more disciples. They persevered and they grew in number. We need to make sure we don't become bitter. Psalm 73, 21 to 22. Since my heart was embittered and my soul deeply wounded, I was stupid and could not understand. That's what a bitter heart leads to. We hold on to hurt. We get offended because we no longer choose to understand the other person, because we're living in our own little bubble, right? 
Now, we're a multi-generational fellowship, and I, I celebrate that. I think that's amazing. I think we're supposed to be a family, and I think it's a pretty weird family if we're all 18 years old, right, or if we're all, like, 60 years old. Like, if you got, went over to someone's family dinner and everyone was the exact same age, you'd be like, this is a weird family. Like, what did they do with all the kids? But I think it's great that we're a multi-generational family. That is going to mean that sometimes, okay, there is going to be points of differences. But what a great opportunity to grow in that. I think what we need to do is listen to Job 5.2. To worry yourself with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. Be quick to forgive, as Colossians 3 says. Because that's what happens when we zoom out from resentment, right? We forgive. Even Jesus, as he's still being mocked and scorned on the cross of Calvary, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's still happening, and he's still forgiving them. So what do we do now? Because that's the trap, isn't it? We go, cool, sweet, I'm just going to be humble and full of love and forgive. I'm going to do that on my own strength, and everything's going to be dandy. Um, sorry, spoilers, that's not what's going to happen. So Galatians 5.16, we need to rely on something greater than ourselves. Writes, live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. And then we can honestly pray and forgive us our trespasses. Yeah, as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is the training ground, right? If we can't do healthy relationship in here, there's no way we're going to do it out there. I might quickly call the band up just as I wrap up. I, um, one of my secular musical heroes is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, I actually love this quote that he writes at the end of his autobiography. It's, um, he's not a Christian, I'll have you know, but I think it's an amazing quote. He says, despite constant failure due to my own short-sightedness, selfishness and pain, I crawl back along the thorny branch to the tree of love. For me, the tree of love is the cross, right? The tree of life. Bloodied and beaten, but back to the source where I serve. We need to zoom out, but then we need to focus on Jesus. Not through our own strength, but through the spirit of God. Jesus is our common unity right without jesus we have no community here that is our unity so that's what we need to always be coming back to so when we focus on jesus and we follow him we'll have humility through the recognition that we need his forgiveness we're going to have love through the unconditional gift that his forgiveness brings knowing that we are loved unconditionally and we're then going to be able to offer forgiveness to others when we fully recognize and understand we can only give that gift because we've received it ourselves. It's the greatest gift you'll ever re-gift. You thought that punch bowl was good? Think about forgiveness. That's a good re-gift. So I just want to finish off with these two verses. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our unity. Again, truly I tell you, Matthew 18, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by their Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for this fellowship. We thank you so much for your Son who came to earth, who showed us that even in the mess of a community that argue and fight and don't get along and have their differences, that, Lord, when they zoom out and they focus back on Christ as their unity, that all those pitfalls fall away. God, I want to pray for our community this morning that we would be full of humility, full of love and full of forgiveness for one another. Just as you extended it to us, may we offer it to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.